0: Well, we have been in a series called Commissioned that we started several weeks ago. If you missed any of those, you can go on our website, uh, listen to them, watch them there. You can go into our podcast and uh, listen to it there. Uh, But we are going to continue on that today. Matthew 28, verse 18. 28, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Verse 19 said Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go therefore and make disciples. Matthew, or excuse me, Mark 16, 15 said, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Luke 24, verse 46, it said, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead uh, the third day and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. He said that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in His name to all nations. So these are this is called the Great Commission. This is what the Lord Jesus gave the church to do. We're the church. The church isn't this building. The church can't go to all nations. The physical building, it's inanimate. We are the church. We are the called out ones. We're the ones that are children of Almighty God. And He gave us a commission to go into all the world and to do something. To preach. That means to declare. That means to share what God has done for humanity. We call this the Great Commission. You can see clearly that's what this is. Uh, The the definition of commission, several definitions. Uh, One is a formal written warrant granting the power to perform various acts or duties. Well, do we have something written? Yes, we have the Word of God. We're reading the Word of God. He has commissioned us to do these things. It's an authorization or command to act in a prescribed manner to perform prescribed acts. Well, didn't he just tell us what to do? Y'all here? Yeah. Amen? Amen? He told us what our job is. It's authority to act for, on behalf of, or in place of another. Well, we are the body of Christ. We are children of God. We are acting on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church. We are Christians, which means little Christ. He's the Messiah. We're following after him. We're doing the work that he would do if he were here in body. Now, he is At the right hand of the Father, we have the Spirit of God here, and we've been, Christians have been recreated in spirit and commissioned to do His work. That's a high calling. It's also an act of entrusting or giving authority. That's what Jesus did, is give us authority. He entrusted us. Some synonyms are delegate, Deputize. You know, in the you know, westerns or police shows, somebody would get deputized to do what? To carry out the work that needed to be done. They were given authority to get it done. That's exactly what Jesus did with you and me. He gave us authority. Commissioning is he's sending us to do something. To share the truth of the gospel with the world. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. We read this. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation notice it says god has reconciled us to himself through jesus christ and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation so he did it and he's given us the task of telling people about it so that they would be reconciled verse 19 says that is that god was in christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trust trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors. We're deputies. We're representatives for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So we are, we are the Vessels through which God is pleading with the world to be reconciled to himself. Everybody say, I'm a vessel. I'm God's vessel. vessel. He works through me. me. I'm I'm part of the church. So he's going to work through us. We're conduits through which he's going to reconcile people to himself. In the NLT version, this same passage said, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Verse 18, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, Come back to God. Let's go back to verse 18. Read through this a little bit. It says, All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So he's given us this task. So we have a task, we have a job. It says he has given. He has given. Now we may not have understood. You know, we first coming to the family of God, uh, may not understood that this task was there, but it was there. You know, it's like you start a new job. You're finding out your job responsibilities. That's a process. You know, when you're starting a new job, you know, when I had a, when I started the job one time, the, the HR lady, you know, in one of the um, first meetings, can't remember if it was the first day or second day, you have a lot of meetings, you know, when you're getting ramped up onboarding meeting she looked at me and she said right now you're on full alert your brain is completely is running you know full capacity as far as I know we don't use 100% of our brain but you know what I mean for a human you're, you're on alert you're, you're paying attention because everything's new and you're on the edge of your chair so to speak you're you're paying attention to everything And she said, you know, your challenge is going to be to maintain that kind of uh, urgency over time because when stuff gets, you know, you're used to it, you start to kind of settle into routines. Well, it's not bad to settle into routines, but you want to, you know, be excited. Well, even though you're on full alert, there's still some stuff you miss when you're, you're, you know, working a job. You you come up to speed, but little by little, you grasp things. And I remember talking to my manager, you know, about our particular situation. I was working as a software engineer and just talking about, you know, you know, where's your expectation for when you're kind of thinking I'm just cranking full speed, you know? and he was like anywhere from two to six months, you know, because it takes a while to get your head around everything. It's not just, you know, in that kind of, what we were doing, it wasn't just you walked in and they told you exactly what to do. You had to start comprehending all the systems that were there enough to add to them and not blow it up. You can Yeah, you can go in there and start writing code, and then you're fixing it for the next three years. Nobody wants that. So you got to understand, do I do this? Do you have people, you know, get involved in help you and review stuff, but it just takes, a, it's a process, so there might be certain things that you were there, you kind of remember them mentioning something like the first week, but you know, three months in, you're like, oh yeah, they, oh, that, that's, I, that's part of my job, I'm supposed to understand this, but it, you know, you know how something's kind of, it's in your peripheral vision, it's a blur, you kind of vaguely remember, you, but it's not like, and then it kind of comes through and you're like, oh, 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 you, you, you want me to know this, this isn't, oh, that's my job. It's not, he, oh, he was just helping me to understand that that was something I'm supposed to do. <laughs> well, that's kind of like this. We may have known and kind of understood, oh, yeah, you know, I'm in great commission. We've, if you've been a Christian, you've probably heard it a lot of your life, going to all the world. But it's kind of like, yeah, that's that evangelist on TV. Yeah, that's that missionary over there. Yeah, that's somebody that's really outgoing, that's there. But what the Bible says is that is our task. So maybe it starts coming to wait, wait a minute, Jesus has given me, given, given me, has given me that. In other words, it's sitting on my desk and I'm like, well, that's somebody, oh, wait a minute, that's me. Oh, oh, you, you, oh, I, I have, I have something to do with this. Oh, I'm supposed to be doing this. Oh, you gave that to me? Oh, Okay, well then that changes things. Maybe I, maybe I, I where something was peripheral, I need to be about doing that. But notice what it says. He's given us a task of reconciling people to Him, verse nineteen. For God has was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So he gave it to us. Verse 20, so we are Christ's ambassador. God is making his appeal through us. He's making his appeal, but it's through us. In other words, this isn't your appeal. This isn't your idea. This isn't your message. He is supposed to be doing it through us, Which means we're the conduit, the message didn't change, the task didn't change, but it's just us being the vessel through which he's working. Yeah. And right now, you and I on this earth and the church as a whole, we're the ones he's working through. 300 years ago, different set of people. Yeah. Not one of you was around then and not any of them are around now. Yeah. Totally different. We may read about some of them, we've heard, but right now, we're the ones fitting this description. It's us. Everybody say this. Say, God is making his appeal. God is making his appeal. Through me. Through you. Me. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. Notice that. Not speaking for yourself. not speaking for your ideas. See, so we got to understand this because, you know, you look around in the world, people are, there's a lot of people that are speaking or, and uh, promoting some ideas that's theirs or people they're with. we got to be careful of starting to promote our ideas instead of his ideas. His truth would be a better way to say it. He doesn't have just ideas like, "Well, let's see if this works." Anything that God says is right. Doesn't ever need a revision. Doesn't ever need, you know, any changing. It is right. And so we are to represent Him. He, it's we're speaking for Christ. We're speaking for Christ. I'm not speaking for Jim. I'm speaking for the Lord. You're not speaking for you. You're not on the earth to speak your idea. You're on the earth to be a representative for him, represent him to people so that they can come to him and have a a relationship. We're the conduit by which God is reconciling people to himself. Isn't that astounding? God is omniscient, He's all-powerful, and He chose to use you and me to get this job done, and there is no more precious uh, fruit and higher priority tasks than bringing people to Him so that they can know Him, so that they can grow in Him, so that they can be His children. But He doesn't just bring them in automatically he chose to give that task to people it says we speak for Christ when we when we plead come back to God so we are ambassadors for him and so we're gonna we're the message that we have the way we do it is going to be the way Jesus would do it because it's his message and our perspective when it comes to people must be his perspective because it's his message. It's his job that he's given us to do. It's not our take on it, it's got to be based on what he would do and the way he looks at things. And in order to be an ambassador we're going to have to develop a love for people the way he loves them the bible says in 1 john god is love so this task that we have is going to represent is going to work by love it is love what we're actually bringing to people is love the way he would love them if he were here because we're in his place we're commissioned we're deputized to do what he would do not to do what we think we want to do it's to represent him you know if you if you are working for somebody you put your wants and your ideas aside when you're representing them if you go to a meeting representing your employer or an organization, you are representing their interests, not yours. You leave those at the door. You don't decide, well, I think we'll do this when your employer would want it a different way. You shelve that. You're at the table to talk about how your employer, your organization wants to do things. Is that not right? And if you don't do that, you probably won't be employed very long. They didn't hire you to do you. They hired you to do what they need you to do. Well, we are, as the body of Christ, as Christians, the Bible is very clear. We're do what He would have us to do. We're representatives of Him. What we think, I'm talking about any natural ideas, what we think should be aligned with the Word of God, But anything that's not, we need to flush that and just say, well, I'm here to do what He would want me to do. And in any situation, it's what He would want. When we interact with people, we're to represent Him. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. He so loved the world that He gave. This is why Jesus came. He looks at the world, and he sees the ones that he died to be reconciled to himself. All of them. The Bible says he was, in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. We read uh, this last week in, in Luke 19, verse 9. You can skip down to verse 9. This was the account of Zacchaeus, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why Jesus came. So the task that we have is to do that same thing. To seek and to save those who are lost. Now we have to understand as we are walking in this realm, in this earth, that people, number one, they've been reconciled to God through Jesus but that people have been ensnared by Satan and influenced by him to go away from the Lord. There is a war in the earth behind what you see, and it's for the souls of people. It's for their eternal destiny. And Satan has ensnared people. And so when we're dealing with people, we have to renew our mind to see things the way they truly are and not get involved in superficial, natural dealings. We live in a natural world. I mean, you and I, we walked in here. We're breathing natural air. You're looking at me, you that are here, through natural eyes. You know, you that are online, you're you're watching a TV or a phone with your eyes. You're listening with your ears. We are in a natural realm, but this realm is so temporary. Everything you see, that's not a person, is going to be destroyed. It's not going to be here. That's what's going on right now. And behind all this, there is spiritual activity. Jesus came to bring all these people back to himself. And our job is to communicate that with them. And we, when we look at people, we have to see past the natural and realize there's a spirit. Those people are spirits. We say souls. I mean, your soul is your your, your mind, will, and emotion, but when you talk about so, you can also just talk about the reality of the person. But what we're really, their spirit needs to be born again. And there is friction, there is opposition to that happening, and that comes from an adversary that has ensnared them. I mean, really, we could say for, I mean, whether somebody's born again, And come into the family of God or not this is what Satan tries to do he tries to ensnare people at any number of levels if he can keep them from the Lord Jesus okay but even if you've been you've come into the family of God you've trusted the Lord Jesus declared him as your Lord and Savior trusted him with your eternity He's going to try to ensnare you to keep you ineffective and to keep you sidelined, and everything you see that's not right in any human being is a result of that, of them yielding to the wrong thing, us included. None of us have arrived. The places that maybe you bump up against, that you deal with on a continual basis, is it, it all stems from Sin, which is Satan's work in the earth, and men yielding to Satan, so that men will be hampered in their ability to operate. And so when we look at people, whoever they are, whether they're in our family, whether they're you know, out in the world, we need to understand that we're all in the same boat. Now, we're not all in the same family. That's determined by what you do with the Lord Jesus Christ, but you're all in the same boat and we're all dealing with stuff and we have to realize that when you're talking with somebody, the ideas and the the, the, the language that's coming out, out of their mouth, it was influenced somewhere in their life. It's coming from somewhere and you can't just take it at face value and go deal with them superficially. You have to realize there's a... There's a spiritual reality behind things so that you look past the person and realize they may be talking a certain way. It may be offensive to you. It may try to provoke you, but you have to look past it and say, they're ensnared and they need to know God. They need to come to God. That's the primary task. Because if we let the, 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 the natural things derail us, then we won't carry on with our real job. We'll be pushed off. Look at, So Ephesians ten or uh, 6, verse 10, let's read this. Just read a few of these verses here. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12 For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. He said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not purely natural. But we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. These are things behind the scenes. That's what we're really dealing with. Our job needs to be focused on the people with the realization of these things going on behind so that we can be vessels through which His tasks are able to be done His intent are able to be done, and then we're not getting in the way because we're looking at the natural. Ephesians 4, verse 17 said, This I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Let's just stop right there. We need, as children of God, you can leave the verse up, we'll continue in a moment, as children of God and those who know His word we should be acting differently and have a different understanding of this reality we are not going to be here very long i'm saying in general if it's another hundred years it's not very long and our reality is in heaven our home is in heaven but while we're here we have a task that 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 the lord spelled out very clearly of what we're supposed to be doing and we can't lose sight of that because the stuff here changes Ideas change, emphases change, and we can't just get sidetracked and pushed off. When we're dealing with somebody, we need to understand there's, there's a, a, something that's trying to bring everybody the same way. There's a current in the earth that's trying to bring people away from God and dumb things down and, and make everybody just walk in the natural like this is all there is. And the more we pay attention to it, the more we start going that way. But it says here, you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. We should be different. In the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. We touched on it last week. Understand that we are in this world, we're called lights in this world. That means it's dark. It shouldn't be any surprise that that people are dark and act in darkness because we're in a dark place. And people have been ensnared. And here it says that their understanding has been been darkened. They don't see. It says in verse um, 18 having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. What's ignorance? You don't know. Ignorance is just lack of knowledge. Well, isn't that what is said in 2 Corinthians, that we're the conduits, we're the ambassadors, whereby God is going to communicate to people so they know they've been reconciled to God. This is saying people don't know, and so their understanding's darkened. So when you walk up to them and and people are spouting all kinds of weird ideas, don't be ensnared by the ideas and, and, and be provoked by ideas. Look past it and realize there's darkness, there's ignorance. Not in an arrogant way. No, if it weren't for the grace of God, you'd be right there. See, when we're we're dealing with people, we have to have the mentality that God holds every person precious. He died for them. Are people going to reject Jesus? Yes, they are. But there's going to be people that accept Him and come in and are so thankful that they know God Almighty, that they had an opportunity to call on the name of Jesus and be accepted. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2. It says, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. That's the gospel. It's saying that people in this world who are perishing, that the gospel... Look at verse 3. And yeah, we'll go into verse 4. Even if our gospel is veiled, what are we supposed to declare? What are we supposed to preach? The gospel. What's that? That people can be reconciled to God. In fact, they are, and they need to receive that reconciliation. That's the gospel. But if the gospel is veiled, what does that mean? The gospel's healed here, but there's something hanging down in front of it, something obscuring it. People don't understand, they can't see. And it says that it is veiled to those who are perishing. In other words, they don't see clearly. They don't understand. It's veiled. It's hidden. Verse 4, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. That's the devil. Why are they blinded? Because there's a devil. Because that's what he's doing. He's deceiving. Satan knows the truth. He is so hardened, he knows the truth, Yes, he, yet he won't change and he's going to go about doing what he, do, he does in spite of the fact he knows Jesus is Lord. He's wicked. And so he deals with people, he knows they've been reconciled, and yet he uses blindness and deception and tantalizing ideas and sidetracks to keep people uh, occupied so that they won't come to the knowledge of the truth. It says, verse 4, "...whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them." They don't believe, they don't see, lest that light... See, the gospel is light. When that light comes to a person's heart, they have a choice. They can act on it, they can choose to believe, or... They can reject it. But we need to know there's something going on with every human being on the earth. Look at 1 John 5, 19. There's a war for each person's eternal destiny. Right now. First John 5, 19 says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Can you see that? In the world we live in, you, you, you know, you hear some ideas and you, you, you think, don't, don't people see past it? No, they don't. You say, Who would believe that? People that are blind. I'm not, we're not condescending. We're saying, if, you, if, we, if it weren't for the grace of God, the light, we wouldn't see the light. And this is the attitude we need to have. We need to show some humility and come down a few notches instead of I mean in some cases instead of thinking we have the truth and these, you know, other people that are ignorant and why don't they just do such and such and why do these have I- these ideas? Take a, a few steps back and realize we see what's going on. People, there's a war for people and people have been ensnared to believe certain things, and Jesus died for people, and God holds every one of them precious, and our job is to come in and share the word, be a light, so that they, by the grace of God, can escape. Well, what is that? That's Jesus' mission. What did he say? I came to seek and save that which was lost. What's our mission? What's our task? To do what He would do. To do what He set in motion. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes on Him should not perish but have eternal life. What what is our job to make that happen? That's the primary focus. You ever been in a position, you ever worked in a, a workplace or, or worked with, uh, you know, maybe it was somebody in your workplace. Maybe you're dealing with another company, whatever. Where you wanted to get the job done, but some of the people involved, if you got sidetracked on that, made it difficult. The re- you're like, man, we just need to get this done. Why is this taking three weeks? This should take like an hour. But we're dealing with politics. We're dealing with people's agendas. Anybody ever been in that position? Yes. You're like, good night. <laughs> and you're, got, you're like, this, 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 doesn't, this, doesn't, this really isn't that big of a job? We're making it. Oh, we got another conference call to talk about that. So you can show that you weren't intimidated by the last thing and to kind of push your political weight around. Or what, I mean, it's just like, can we just do the job? Well, you're dealing with people. In the earth, our job, the reason why we're still here as Christians is to get Jesus' work done, is to share with people so that they can see the light of the gospel and they have a choice as to whether they're going to act on it or not. That is the primary task. And then as people come in, grow them up so that while we're here, they know more and more about God so they can relate to them. But if nobody else was gonna come into the kingdom of God, we that are here could just get out of here, and we could do that in heaven. It'd be probably much more comfortable, don't you think? We just sit in faith school in heaven and be like, "This is awesome. Temperature's perfect. There's no devil, no nothing. Never get tired. I suppose I don't know if I get hungry, but I know I could eat, so maybe I'm never hungry. But I could just I don't know. Don't get you know. Don't gain any extra weight. Got a got a, a body that lasts forever." And we'll just sit here and learn about God. Well, that's called when we're out of here, there's a heaven, there's going to be a new heaven, new earth, there's going to be a millennium here on the earth, there's going to be eternity with God, but that's not now. The only reason we're here on the earth is because there's people that haven't come in. That's it. Otherwise, if we're just going to learn about God, let's just go home and do it. Let's just sit before the throne let, you, know, wherever, you know, let Jesus teach us. I, that sounds awesome, but that's not where we're at. So one of the primary tasks is we're supposed to share. We're, we're supposed to be a light to people. We're going to communicate with people, but you deal with the people. Just like they deal with you. And that can be distracting. You're like, man, I, you know, you want to, you're trying to, be a light or whatever, and you can let the people get in your way and be like, man, all you got to do is receive God. Doesn't take that long, but people will spend their whole life rejecting. Why does that happen? Just like we were talking about with, you know, at an employment. There's stuff that it, it should take a short time, but you deal with people. Well, guess what? Everything we're doing on this earth deals with people. And Satan is in the game for the long term. And it's not all obvious. People, people have uh, been dealing with wrong thinking for generations, and then they're growing up in something and they're dealing with it, and you come across their path, and you're trying to share, but they just there's a blind, there, there's a veil there three feet thick. They can't see anything. Satan's playing the long game. Well, so you've got to be led by the Spirit of God. God knows how to get. The, the right thing to each person. Now, they ultimately have a choice, but our job is not to get sidetracked with the person going, man, this could just be so easy. Why, why are you on that crazy thing? And you want to just cut through some of it, not in a way of arrogance, but to help somebody. Sometimes you just want to say, just cut through all that. This is the truth. Can you go here? That's, that's not going to happen so many times. You deal with people. Don't let the people part of it, get in, the way, get in the way of what our task is. God sees each person as somebody that is precious and that who, whom he loves. Amen. And Jesus, if they were here, he'd be talking to them a certain way. What's our job? We're going to do it the way Jesus would do it. Amen. Not get distracted by the fact that they were rude to us. Not get distracted by, okay, they're spouting that, that idea, okay, and start getting in their faith. That's not going to be helpful. Well, I don't like the way you talk, so now I'm going to go off on a side tangent and I'm going to make the, the real task get longer because I'm not focusing on the truth, the reality. We got to, of, of, you know, the, the reality of what's really going on in situations, We have to see people the way God sees them. We have to see situations in the light of eternity. We have to see relationships in the light of forever and in the light of people's condition spiritually and look past so much of the natural stuff that tends to distract us. Every one of us is in a certain place, and we have the same task. It looks different for everybody, but the end goal is the same. And so we need to sometimes just come up and understand the reality of what's going on, take a step back, and realize, I may have heard truth. Thank God for it. I may have understood some things from the Word. Thank God for it. But people that that you deal with in certain situations may not, and we have to look at it as they're blinded, not in an arrogant way, not in a condescending way. If it weren't for the grace of God, we'd be in the exact same place. But this is the situation. They don't see, how can I cooperate with God to get back that which is so precious? How do I let God work through me? and to see people the way God would see them as an object of love. And an object, something that is so precious that we would lay aside all the superficial, all the natural, to get his job done. This is the way Jesus saw people. Look at Luke 15, verse 1. Talked about uh, some of this last time. Jesus said, Then, the, or it says, then all the tax collectors and, and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them. So they're saying, Why, why is he eating with all these people? that they would call sinners. And so Jesus speaks to them in parables like he did so often. But notice the way they're looking at him. They're not not saying, why why would he talk to these precious people? They want to hear him. Isn't that awesome? They're, They're saying these people aren't worth him talking to. That's not the way God sees it. We see if we're not careful, we'll let that same mentality go. Oh, well, that's them. They're, they're they, We write people off. That's that's wicked. That's evil. That's given into the wrong thing. Every one of us is probably guilty of it to some degree, being judgmental. Being, but that's not the way God sees it. God sees it as they're, they're precious. So it says, He spoke this parable to them, saying. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. He's given emphasis to the person that comes into the family of God. Jesus is telling the Pharisees, these people are important. Verse 8, what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Lord is saying, just, just like you lose something, you're looking to get that thing back. That's how the Lord looks at people. Now look at uh, verse 11. We're going to read some of this. This is a parable of the prodigal son. Verse 11 says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Why would he do that? Well, he doesn't understand. You know, he, he doesn't have wisdom. He doesn't have understanding. You can just look at it and say, Well, that was stupid. Yeah, it was stupid. But why did he do that? It seemed like a good idea to him. He doesn't have right understanding. Does that sound like what we read about people being blinded and they're being a veil? Of course, somebody that understands the situation is not going to do this, but that's not the case. Misunderstanding, blinded, ensnared, deceived, which we know from the Bible is going on. So we should say, wait a minute. The person, they're deceived. Lord, how, how can I, how, how can I, how can you use me? Maybe a frontal attack's not going to work in this situation, you know? You're not going to just land blast them. God, give me wisdom. How, how do we poke through this? How, how can there be a piercing of light through that veil? How, how, what, if you were here, what would you be doing? How can I work with you? Not look at, oh, you're, that was really stupid, say, Yeah, devil's mean. What can I do? Lord, what what, what would my part be? How, How can I work with you? Verse 14, when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that county, or that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods Uh, that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. So he's there, and you know, like earthly saying, you know, you made your bed, you lie in it. Well, that's not the way God looks at stuff. If that's the case, every one of us is done. If it's not for the mercy of God, every one of us has missed it. Every one of us has yielded to the wrong thing. This is a picture of somebody that went in the wrong direction. They blew it, and they know they blew it. They're coming to a realization, they blew it. They're following something that's not right. They're following stuff that's wrong ideas. Well, anybody that doesn't follow what God has said to do, that's where they're at. What do they need? Mercy. Let's say this, what do you need? Mercy. mercy. Whether you think you need it or not, you need mercy. I need mercy. What are we conduits of? God's love and his mercy and his grace to the world. Our job is not to be like, well, you messed it up, pal. See, I told you that was stupid. Our job is to like, yeah, I know, In God good and share? You know what other people's biggest problem is? You know, when, when, when people... Uh, you know, somebody will look at somebody and go, oh, man, I cannot believe they did that. You know what their biggest problem is? They're a lot like you and me. They do dumb stuff. They have flesh. We've all done dumb stuff. So if, we, if, if we're going to get on the side of, well, you know, you did this. And, see, we're not working with God then. we got to look at people like he would look at him. Verse 17 says, when he, when he came to himself, what does that sound like? Light, understanding. He's coming to a point where it's like, wait a minute, he's seeing. Like the song said, I was blind, but now I see. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And he ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, it's like the father wasn't even listening to him. He ran out there. He is, he is so happy to see his son. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know you messed up. I knew you messing up when you left. But, and he's like, his son's going on on his rehearsed apology. And he's going to his servants. Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put the ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just planning the party. As his son is going, I messed it. Yeah, okay, we'll get past that. He says, bring out the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this is my son. This my son was dead and is alive again. He he was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Does that sound like the lost coin? Does that sound like the lost sheep? That there's rejoicing in heaven and then that which is lost is found. Yeah. That's the way God is looking at every person on the earth that doesn't know Him. He's saying there's a chance. Some of them are going to reject God and never come back, but our job is to work with Him and just represent Him and look at it like He does and say, this person comes in, there's a party in heaven. I want to be part of making that happen. Lord, help me. Show me in a a humble way. How how do I help that? We're going to throw another party. How can I help you to find that which is lost, what you came to earth for, and the reason we're still here, our task is to, to facilitate this happening. Lord, there's a precious one. There's a precious one. Oh, man, listen to that junk that's coming out her mouth. Oh, they're lost. Is there anything I can say? Is there anything I can do? Is there any way that I can help them come back to you? That love, see, what we're talking about is that love of God. It looks past everything that's in the natural. It looks past behaviors. Not talking about condoning things, not talking about agreeing with sin. We're talking about, yeah, we know it's there, but what is really important is their relationship with God. Is there a way I can cut through that nonsense and get to them? And you may have to look past some stuff. Again, you're not condoning it, but you'd be in the presence of it because you're concerned with them. Didn't Jesus do that? They were like, why are you talking with these people? Because he was concerned about them. Well, I don't want to associate with such and such. Use wisdom, but that's not the way Jesus operated. The people that were asking that question were the people you don't want to be associated with. The Pharisees? We don't want to be associated with them. These parables were spoken in response to them saying that exact thing. Well, you're going to talk with them, but don't you know? Yeah, he knows. Of course he knows. He's God Almighty. He knows exactly. He knows exactly. And so we have the Word. And we can say, yep, we see the situation. Well, there's some blindness. Not in a haughty way, but like, Lord, I see what's going on here. If it weren't for your grace, I'd be in the same place. and let that love go through to them. Amen. Amen. That's our task. Oh, God is a good God. Yes. God is a good God. God is a good God. Look at Romans 5.5. 5. We'll close, just leave you with this. It says, Now hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We've been equipped to do this very thing. That love that's necessary to look past everything, that love that God has for people has actually been poured out in us so we don't have to look out here. We don't got to work it up. We don't got to drum up something intellectually. We just have to flip a switch and let that flow be a conduit for what God put us here for Say, Lord, I'm here. Help me. That love's there to flow to them so that He can minister to them. We're to do His work. We're to do what He want to do. Our job is just to be the conduit. And we have it. We have it. Amen.